A video came out of a woman dancing as her whole society is collapsing right behind her. And this is something which is highly prophetic and it reveals a great deal to us. So I don't want this to just be another sensation that we glaze past. I want this to be something which we talk about and hold near and dear to our hearts because it applies to everything in life. Do we have eyes for truth or do we simply just dance along like everything is all well and good? There's prophetic revelation in this fitness instructor as the Myanmar coup is going on right behind her. And today, here at Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. And you know what? We're going to say that a Christian program of apocalypse <laughs> and adventure. We're going to be talking about the prophetic truth of the Myanmar coup aerobics. So thank you for joining me. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, and there are two others with me here in the studio. I'm Pastor Min Sparrow. And I'm Pastor Mike Proctor. And... We have another guest here who is not on the visual, but I'll let him introduce himself. Go ahead, Ray. I'm Pastor Ray Burnett, retired from pastoring and enjoying my life now going to a fellow friend, Mike's church. Yeah. So we're going to talk about this. I'm going to go ahead and pull this video back up. Right now in our world, I'm going to be square with everyone. I'm kind of sick of the constant, everything is fine, the euphemisms, the soft-spoken emails in every sector and institution in society. All throughout time, people have made their God-given ability to think, to reason. They've made it passive. Going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, Adam is passive, just standing there dancing while Eve is eating the fruit that's poisoning herself, just being passive, dancing while everything is collapsing. Eve herself, she's over there dancing with the, the serpent. You know, all is well and good. The fruit is good for food. You know, who cares about that big old law that God said that's sitting right behind me in broad daylight? We have a problem in our society where people generally only accept that something is true. They'll only acknowledge an objective reality if they like the implications and the consequences of that being true. Sometimes we're to the point where if we recognize that there's really evil out there, that means I probably shouldn't be out here dancing while this, the society is dying. <laughs> we don't want to acknowledge the, the evil that is coming downstream that's about to just hit the waterfall, the dam's about to break. Well, I want us to be speaking some truth today and not just bearing false witness about anything, but I want us to be looking at the, the prophecy here. So let's go ahead and begin with the prayer, and then we'll dissect all of this. Pastor Amanda, would you pray for us as we begin? Sure. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this time to have this conversation. We pray that it will truly be something that responds to your grace and speaks your grace into the world. So be with those who are gathered here who are talking, be with those who are watching or listening to the program, that it may be encouraging to them. And Heavenly Father, in all things, uh, may we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and the holy courage to take action. Be with your people, we pray. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Pastor Mike. Yes. What are your thoughts on this? Am I overblowing the no, revelation I, that can come in this? Or is this really something that we should take seriously? God is showing us people just go along like everything's fine when there is something to pay attention to. Oh, it, there's definitely something here to be to that's speaking, it, regardless if it's a prophetic image or is it just uh, the, the fruit of the the world that we've lived in. But the thing is, there's passivity that's taking place here. 
and the responsibility that we have as, as uh, the people of God is, is extremely important for us to not just stick our heads uh, in, in the sand or to go on dancing as in this video while it seems like all kinds of chaos is happening behind us. And so, you know, I, I think it's very prophetic, to be honest. Pastor Amanda, what are your initial thoughts just on this video? I think just watching the video, I I almost couldn't believe it was true. Like, I really honestly thought she was doing a, a, her aerobics video in front of, like, a green screen, and she accidentally put the wrong video behind herself. Like, there was an element of me that just couldn't reconcile this with reality. And, um, and yes, it is a real video. Right? I mean, at least as far as we know. Yeah, it's, it, it's real. It's a real video, but it's... Um, like, especially in one of her moves, she, like, slows down. And you think that's the point where she's going to stop. Like, she's finally, maybe at first she didn't really recognize what's happening, but she starts to slow down in one of her moves as she turns to the side. And you're like, okay, that's the point where she recognizes what's happening. She's going to stop her video. She's going to stare at the, the Humvees passing her. And, like, something's going to change. But then she, like, turns to the other side and keeps on going. And you're just like, whoa, what? Like, I think that's all I texted when you text me the video. I just texted back, whoa, because there was no other response other than, what? <laughs> yeah. You, you know, as I, I looked at that, it uh, first thing you think, this is staged. It's, uh, you know, this is trying to get attention. But no, as I read on a little further in the article and watched, uh, obviously this is an intersection that she's often done, um, you know, taught the aerobics class or whatever it is there, the dance class. But no, nonetheless, it it is like this oblivious to what's going on all around her. And so when I look at this, it's, it is it is a sad picture. It, there's a time, yeah. it, it's not the dancing that's bad, the coup and all of that that's going on. And, and it's like it's an inappropriate time to dance for yeah we're crying out loud yeah that'd be yeah. the time You're, to stop and be like hmm also i just think it's a safety thing like if i started seeing humvees like if i'm out in a park walking around and i start seeing humvees and government vehicles swarming the area my first thought is where's the exit where's my car parked how am i getting there like i'm thinking how to get out and this lady's just like living her best life and you're like what <laughs> like, yeah like if self-preservation if, if you're there at the beaches of normandy yeah, and you notice, hey, you know, it looks like people are storming in here. <laughs> you know what? I think now is a good time for me to get my new towel out. I've got a really nice beach ball that would be fun. Yeah, there, there's a time and place for everything, and obviously, this is this is uh, something. And I'll tell you who's really winning here: the coup that's taking over. This is exactly what they want to people for just to be to normal go on with life, no big deal. And and uh, you know, this is really part of the coup. It, whether she wants it to be or not. This is what they want. Well, this this brings us into the deeper worldview here. Hmm. So there's a couple of scriptures I want us to get in. And the reason why I want us to take such serious respect for this video is because I really do think this is something God is giving us as a wake-up call. It's not a given that people will pay attention to the obvious things around them. Throughout human history, there has been a problem where people are passive to things they should pay attention to. Throughout the Old and New Testament, God is very frequently trying to tell people to have eyes and ears that are attentive to the things that matter most in life because very often people prefer to be the dancing lady. It's and easier. Yeah, it's, it's easier. 
And to that point, you can see in the gospel with Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate, he kind of washes his hands. His wife comes over and is like, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't think we should be killing this Jesus. But Pilate, he turns passive. Yeah. He's, the, he's the governor there, and he's a Roman governor. He can stop Jesus being crucified. Yeah, he, he washes his hands of it, but guess what? He turns passive, and Jesus ends up on a cross. I just want to, I think something we miss when we talk about that passage is because washing our hands of a situation has become such an allegorical thing. Like, no, it's that we get that allegory or that illusion out of this passage where a person literally washed their hands and said, because of this physical act, this then represents, I am removing myself from guilt. It, but he couldn't remove himself no. from guilt. Yeah. 2,000 years later, his name is synonymous yeah. with the story of someone who could have and should have done something and yeah. didn't. Like yeah. So, like first of all, let's be honest with ourselves. We cannot wash our hands. When, when, when society is crumbling around us, yeah. we don't get to wash our hands and be like, well, that's not my problem. And I don't have to sacrifice myself to save others because I don't want to deal with that. You don't get to do that. You will be held yeah. responsible for before a just and loving God. And Sorry. This is, let's get into our scriptures now because one of the core theses I want to have for this program, because I've got a few, is that we have a problem in the modern world where people only want to accept something as being true if they like the implications and consequences of that. For instance, if it's a problem that your shoes are made by slaves in sweatshops, maybe you shouldn't buy those shoes. So we just kind of ignore the fact that it's there. And we see this all the time in whether it be, um, obviously we're all pastors here, so we're, we're speaking about church things, but whether it be in churches whether it be in governmental levels, whether it be in any sector of life, a lot of times we ignore serious problems that we know are problems and act like it's just going to go away itself. Jesus tells you Satan isn't in the business of casting out Satan. Hmm. He's not going to do that. It's not going to get better. So I've got two scriptures I want to share for us on the front end, and we'll kind of go from there. So in Deuteronomy chapter 29, this is towards the end of Moses' life. You know, he's been raised up. Everything from being a baby in a basket, house of Pharaoh, out in the wilderness, met God at the burning bush, come back, took on massive stuff. He's heard the voice of God. He's led people out of Israel. The Israelites, they've seen the plagues. They've seen the the miracles of God. They've seen evil. They've seen glory, manna from heaven, smoke, fire, all sorts of stuff. You think they would they would have eyes for truth, wouldn't you? You think they would be pretty close to God, right? They've seen it all. They've got the history. They have Moses. They have the physical Ten Commandments. It's not just a sign on the wall. They can reach out and touch them. Deuteronomy 29, verses 2 through 4, it says, Moses summoned all of Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and all his servants and to all his land, the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs, those great wonders. But to this day, the Lord has not given you a mind to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. And Moses, we do well to respect that a lot of scripture is actually a, um, a butt chewing. <laughs> and here, Moses has got people lined up and says, hey, you have seen miracles beyond wildest imaginations, evils, children fed to the Nile. You've seen it all. But yet you still are the lady dancing next to the coup. Mm-hmm. You're, you're sitting there blind. You don't have a mind to understand. And it's, it's just frustrating. 
I want to take that and position it next to Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And again, we're all guilty. I don't want anybody to think that I'm just beating up on our audience out here saying our audience is blind. If you're here in the audience, I want us to realize, let's wake up. Mm-hmm. It's it's okay to realize that, yeah, there is evil. There's plots of sinister dimensions. There are coups. There are wicked things which happen behind the scenes. And regardless of of the nice facade that's put out front, it's okay. You're not a kook to recognize that evil is real, that it's predatory, it's conscious, it has a will, a motive. Going to Revelation 3, verses 1 through 3. Jesus addressing the church in Sardis, he says, I know your works. You have a name of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains, and is at the point of death. For I have not found your works perfect in the sight of my God. Remember what you received and heard? Obey it. Repent. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you do not know what hour I will come. And again, Jesus is telling people straight up, don't be the lady dancing next to the coup. And again, this it's a timeless thing. I, I, I want us to look at this video because of how timeless it is. It applies everywhere in society, in every institution, and all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. And even all the way towards those who are worshiping the beast in Revelation 13. They're sitting there. The beast has come out of the sea. And what do they do? Oh, they got the beast behind them. We're dancing. Yeah, it's good. It's good. All right. Somebody come in and, and talk other than myself. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I, I, when you were talking about the beast coming in, all I could think of, the, you know, the, they're doing the movie um, Godzilla versus King Kong. So that's all I could think about was Godzilla coming out of the water and like King Kong just kind of grooving. And I, I, I know that's ridiculous, but I, I think I'm just at the point of breaking a little bit. Like I'm having a little mental breakdown as we're talking. It's just like I was talking to my mom this morning and my sister, and we're doing this Bible study together and reading this commentary on Lamentations. And the chapter we read was Lamentations four, and it talks about the the narrator in in that poem is lamenting the fact that women are being reduced to eating their babies because they're in the siege city. Mm. And as shocking as that is for us to hear, and as horrible as that is to hear, there's also this this connotation in, in the writer saying that this has now become normal. Yeah. And, and we can say, oh, it was exceptional circumstances, but even if it was exceptional circumstances, and or they felt like that was the only way they could feed themselves, or their surviving children was to sacrifice the children that hadn't made it, that is still horrifying. Yeah. And, and and I told my mom, I said, I feel crazy sometimes. And I feel crazy in all these aspects of my life because the world is not, because th- the rest of the world is going on like it's normal. And I'm like, no, it's not. And and I'm like, I'm tired of feeling crazy all the time. Yeah. I feel, and she's like, you're not crazy. And I'm like, well, thanks, mom. Um, or either that or we're all insane. But yeah. I, I think that's what this is speaking to or what you're speaking to is the world has gone the way of destruction for thousands of years and for any voice to speak with as the mouthpiece of god and to speak peace and order and 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 light is to be the crazy voice like you are john the baptist with camel clothes eating locusts and honey because that is the only response to the crazy world we live in is to just be crazier and 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 it, it is it's not normal for to use the lamentations example it's not normal for women to sacrifice and boil their babies it shouldn't no. be normal no. the things that we are doing in the society and and it, it 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 it's 
it's phenomenal to me. Though sometimes we can't see it till we're on the other side of it. Yeah. We're just so caught up in the chaos. We do. We look around at the chaos and we're like, like that meme of the dog with the house burning around it. Yeah. Everything's fine. Because we don't know anything different. We're so used to the world burning around around us. I want to bring up something you had. You brought up John the Baptist. Yeah. (laughs) The, The correct response to this is to become that voice out in the wilderness. If you got to eat locust so that you're not <laughs> doing this, man, get you some seasoning, some salt and pepper, and and maybe a little bit of butter. Call it a day. <laughs> Call it a day. Eat them. Put on the camel's hair. Have at it. Pastor Mike? Well, you know, as, as Pastor Amanda was talking about, you know, um, you know, mothers eating their 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 own infants and babies, and you think how bizarre and crazy that that sounds. But look at us today, where we are taking aborted children, or we have pharmaceuticals who are taking aborted children and creating vaccines. And and so I think for one of the things that we as the church needs to be aware and have a voice is we need to say that we need to be aware of which vaccines, especially as as COVID vaccine is coming about. There is Pfizer and Moderna who use appropriate means and ethical means to get that. And then there's a company like Johnson & Johnson who is using aborted uh, fetuses for stem cells. And so, uh, you know, this is still happening. Yeah. And and it's and it you know maybe it doesn't sound as bizarre as it does, but it is still happening in the world today. So, I want to go now. I've got a bunch of scriptures I want us to look at, but before we jump to some more of them, I run to reassert this thesis that we have a problem in the world where we only want to accept things if we feel like we can agree with, we like the implications, the consequences of that. It's just easier to ignore it. It's easier to let the raft go a little closer to the waterfall. Um, one of the things that we need to realize is that in the church, we are given an opportunity to be a part of the history of the extraordinary institution, which is the church. It's the family of God. People are really hungry to be a part of stuff. Mm. They, they either want to ignore the fact that history can change so brutally or they want to be a part of the revolution. We are given an opportunity to be a part of the thing that matters. Being a part of the history of the church matters far more than all the, the other things that we might think. But also, if we actually step into the role of being the church who we're supposed to be, you will have a better impact on the things of the world. So... I've got a couple of more scriptures I want us to read because the rational response to all this is, well, how do we then respond? And the first scripture I want us to look at is Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. Mm. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. Psalm 46, it's pretty short. You can take Psalm 46 and stick it in your pocket, carry it around with you. I recommend doing that. I want to take that scripture And then weave it a little bit with Jude. Jude, in his opening statements, beginning in verse 3, says, I find it necessary to write to you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. There are certain intruders who have stolen in among you, people who long ago were designated for this condemnation as ungodly. They pervert the grace of our God into licentiousness, and they deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. A very real problem they had in the early church. Mm. 
is they had people who would be the lady dancing, sitting there dancing while wicked stuff's happening right there in the church. Pagan rituals, people slipping in, teaching, you know, crazy stuff like God the Father is the demiurge. He's he's a demon that is like this trickster. Like wicked stuff slipping right in the church and people just sitting there dancing like it's fine, it's fine. And Jude quite just tells him straight up like, hey, they're here. The last thing I want to have before I get back to our discussion, I want us to look now at the third chapter of Second Peter. Because how do we weave these two things together, right? How do we be still and know that God is God, there are things beyond our control, while also fighting for the gospel? Peter says, and this is Second Peter 3, verses 8 through 13, he says, Do not ignore this one fact, beloved. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some might think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any of you to perish, but that all might come to repentance. The day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements, they will be dissolved with fire. The earth and everything that's done on it will be disclosed. And since all things are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you be living? You know, Peter is asking the question, he says, look, there's bad stuff out there. And earlier in this chapter, he says, you know, there are people who are going to come out scoffing. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to call you a kook. They want you to dance like this. Going back to 1 Peter 4.4, he says, the world looks at you wondering why you won't run with them in the same excesses of debauchery. So they slander you. They want you to be out there dancing with them. The devil and his demons, they laugh. They're dancing with you. They love it. They want you to dance like that. And then Peter, by a second letter, he eventually gets to the point, he says, what should you be? Should you be out there dancing like this? Is this what you're supposed to be? Is this why God came, that you might dance while everything falls and go straight down to the eternal fires of Gehenna? Is that, is that what God did for you? In verse 11, he gives the answer. He says, you should be leading lives of holiness and godliness. Amen. Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved. Which, by the way, yes, that's, that's not an accident. The, the sin of the angels has been retained there in the eternal chains of darkness and will be punished. The heavens and the earth, when Christ sits on the judgment seat, the heavens and the earth flee. They get destroyed. Gone. There's a new heaven and new earth coming, but there's going to be judgment. They will be dissolved and the elements will melt with fire. But in accordance with his promise, we wait for a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness is at home. Anybody want to respond to all this? Well, you know, reaching back to the imagery that you were you were talking about, it's it's like the fire is on, everything's behind them, there's this dancing, and I know it's a pandemic. Uh, and the reason she has the mask on. But there's something about that mask that just tells me, be quiet, be passive, ignore all responsibility. But here, Peter is telling us, be be responsible. Be a people living holy lives, not silenced. But be a people that are not dancing to the, to the, the falling apart and the chaos all around you, but, but coming to a place of, that live to being a people that lives a life that reflects this 
holiness and this God into the world all around us. We're seeing it not only in, in institutions, but let's just be honest, we're seeing it in the church. And that's what Peter's talking about here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that's the thing for us also to hear in this in these passages where whether it's Peter or Jude are, are writing, it is this is not these are not letters written to the random person on the street who's never heard of Jesus of Nazareth. This is written to the faithful, the faith community. Yeah. And this is Peter and Jude and Paul and um, and John and, and, and all the New Testament writers who are pleading with their congregations. This is the true story of Jesus. Yeah. This yeah. is the true story of, of the kingdom of God. What does the kingdom of God look like? Yes, the kingdom of God brings order and justice and peace and mercy and grace and love. And that means we have to live in those things, not as cheap platitudes we stick on, you know, the decorations in our house, but the things we live into and enact in the world around us. And it's interesting here where it says what, you know, uh, what sort of persons ought you to be leading lives of holiness and godliness waiting for. But then it also has that interesting adverb or or verb hastening. So there's this there's a waiting, but there's also an action that has to take place. And it is awesome and i mean awesome as an awe inspiring and almost debilitating the fact that the god of the universe looked down around humanity and said you know what i can do this all on my own i'm powerful enough i can do this all on my own i've got this taken care of but what if (laughs) what if i created something in my own image what what if then i invited them into my community and fellowship what if i empowered them that they can be a means of grace to the rest of creation what if they have the power to hasten the day of the Lord? That should scare us. That should terrify us. Because our God has looked at us and says, I'm calling you. I'm going to call you, empower you, and you get to make a difference in your world. And just to build off that a little bit. Actually, Pastor Ray, would you like to come in? Yeah, I was just spurring off of what you said. William Hay or is it Faye? Faye. Faye, yeah. William Faye, uh, in his book, um, You Don't Have to Have Fear When You're Witnessing, he he said there's a sin of silence. Mm. And, and I think, you know, we naturally want to e- explore and expand the, 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 the uh, evil that's going on. But a lot of what's going on is the church, individuals in the church that make up the church are committing this sin of silence. Mm-hmm. They're saying nothing. They're, they're passive, as you said, being very passive. Let me alone. Let me have my barbecue grill out in the back porch. Don't require me to do extraordinary things like depend on the power of the Holy Spirit to come down and enable me to do some things that Jesus would like to see done. Supernatural miracles are not over. Yep. I believe with with all my heart that if if the church would hear the voice of God to move and to, and to be the church, we would begin then to start seeing mm-hmm. a change. And this dancing lady, <laughs> she's dancing because she thinks, well, they don't care, and she's mocking the church in a sense. And and I think it's just really pitiful yeah. that that we have swallowed that pill, mm-hmm. and we're we're just putting ourselves at ease. We yeah. don't want pain. We take a pill, 
We don't want to do what Jesus said. We rather take a pill. And Satan is furnishing pills. Yeah. And they're in all sorts of ways. Yeah. Yep. Dancing in silence. He's yeah, furnishing and, it. Well, and so it's alarming that there is that sin of silence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's that's where well, I'm coming yeah. from. Just just to build off that, Pastor Ray and. Everybody watching this, I apologize for not having another camera for for Pastor Ray. That's why there's only two of us visible here in the studio. Ray is here with us, but we just don't have a a camera here um, currently, though we can get that remedied by next week. Um, One of the things which really does ring true about that is that so often people want meaning. Like the way that hell really gets power over people. And you see this in Acts chapter 3, by the way. There's a, a man who is afflicted by a disability. He's there waiting on the, the temple. People bring him every day. They give him alms. And the world likes that. It's, they like to be the ones who gives you alms. That your, your highest expectation is something for free. That chance, fate might give me something I didn't necessarily work for, but it might come by one day and give me some alms and bend everything to make my day a little bit more pleasurable. But the gospel comes along and says, How about this? Be healed. Hmm. And you talked about supernatural. This last year, if anything, it has made me realize that we have really discounted what it means for the supernatural miracles. When Jesus commissions the the apostles, and we're going to look here at Matthew 10, verses 5 through 15, he goes out and he says, preach, preach the news. And the message isn't vague, by the way. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent. That's the message. But cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leopards, and cast out the demons. And this isn't the only time he does it. Jesus tells people this quite a bit. Mm -hmm. You see, this is basically what Jesus' ministry looks like. So you might think that's kind of an important ministry for the church. And going back to our earlier statement, I said, you know, we're, we're not just the Christian program of critical thinking and adventure, but Christian program of critical thinking and apocalypse to kind of bring some of that in here. We've often times thought of the supernatural as stuff which breaks the laws of physics. But I've had an idea the last few weeks that perhaps what we have considered supernatural, things like healings, they're not the breaking of the laws of physics, but they're the perfection of them, Mm. the Mm. restoration of them, the restoration of the things corrupted by the fall when God steps in and sorts that out. And if anyone would like to respond to that. No, I, I think that's something I have been thinking about a lot. And, and, and you know, it, it is weird because we live in, in the, these times. And so I don't want to go with like there's a demon up every, you know, kitten up a tree or something like that or behind every kitten up a tree. So there is a bit of that modernity in us that's like, let's not go too crazy. Um, but, yeah, what if the things that we see and that we call supernatural, whether they be the mir- miraculous healings or angels and demons, those are the things actually acting the most natural. Yeah. This is what utter evil looks like. This is what utter good looks like. Yeah. And for us to live into the story of God is the story that says the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom that's far away and distant and un- unknowable has come down to earth yeah. and has reclaimed earth. So what does that mean as a people of God to act as if the supernatural is 100% natural? Yeah. Well, Pastor Mike? Oh, that's right. To answer, Jesus said, greater things than these shall you do. Yeah, that's right. Why are we not? Yeah. That's a good question. Well, you know, last week, I think we we talked about um, 
some some things that are you know very relevant to today as well and one of those things that that's happening all around us is is um is the the spiritual warfare and that we say you know of all the evil that we see thank god that we can see and i mean going back to some of the uh earlier texts that we were reading today is you know you you don't have eyes to see you don't. You can't see it, even though Moses uh, is is somewhat chastising them. Look at all the supernatural miracles God has done, and yet you still don't have eyes to see. And the the beauty, I think, is that we can see evil exposing itself this day. And yeah. we are not called just to passively sit by, but I think being able to see is to to be responsible, and uh, not only to. Uh, be responsible, but to lead courageously, and this comes straight out of the Bible study we had uh, last night, and to invest eternally, and that means we're going to have to do some hard things. Jesus, in this uh, passage, uh, he's sending the disciples out to do some some uh, serious business here. Yeah. yeah. It's, and just if I can kind of bind some things together before we get into Matthew 10, because I do want to read that, because it shows us a lot of how we can respond to stuff. Um with some action and also some some proper expectations. One of the things that we have to to really do is recognize that we really do have this great opportunity. Amen. We have been given life for a time such as this. Like the secular world is always confused about the meaning of life, what is good, what's truth, what's beautiful. God answers those God answers those questions. Pretty can, early on in, in the story of God, too. Like, yeah, it's like, not like something he's like, oh, I forgot to address this issue. Like, it, it's pretty much from the beginning. Yeah. And God created and said it was good. Yeah. Yeah. And getting back to those first principles, asserting them, having the confidence in them, talking about them. The cost is extremely high, mm. by the way. The cost is always high. Yeah. To to not be the dancing lady is extremely expensive. You're going to look like John the Baptist in the wilderness. Mm. Or maybe you're going to look like Jesus on the cross next to him. To, to recognize and open your eyes, it is very expensive. It's very expensive. Yeah. I just want to say that I hope everybody realizes we're not saying the lady is a prophet. We're saying the image yeah. that she is depicting right. is sure. is, right. is, a, is a prophetic image. Yeah. And there yeah. is a difference. So I just want to clarify yeah. that. But there's something going on that says, hey, evil is happening all around us. Let us wake up. Yeah. Quit going on dancing through the world like everything is normal when it's obviously not. The time is at hand for us to be aware of our surroundings. Mm. When Jesus spoke, he was speaking to the lady dancing when he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you know, how oft would I have gathered and yet you would? He was speaking to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In support of what you were just said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all of the scriptures we've read today are written to the church in times where people are confused about this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, our world right now is very obsessed with, are you an expert in this? If you're not an expert in this, then you shouldn't talk about it. Well, by all means, the Israelites in Deuteronomy 29 should have been experts on seeing the miracles of God, lived a life of it. But they don't um, because the truth is having eyes and ears that see it's connected to God Moses tells him this the Lord hasn't given you a mind to understand it comes from God all right I want to read Matthew 10 really quickly these is verses 5 through 15 it says the 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions 
Go no more among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. You received without payment, give without payment. Take no gold or silver, copper in your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics, no sandals or a staff, for laborers deserve their food. Now, whatever town you are to enter, find out who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. And as you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. If it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. Anyone who will not welcome you or listen to your words, truly I tell you, it will be more tolerable in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Now, a couple of things from this text really quickly. I know oftentimes we kind of glaze over this whole point that he says, go to the Gentiles now, or don't go to the Gentiles of the Samaritan, just here in the house of Israel. You're looking there. One of the reasons for this is they're actually physically in Israel, like quite literally. You cannot, as a person who is not omnipotent, you're not all-powerful, you're not capable of being everywhere, deal with the talents entrusted to you. Hmm. When you're next to the Samaritans, bless the Samaritans. If you've got a Gentile, if you're Paul there in Acts chapter 16 and there's a Gentile jailer, bless him. Be realistic about what I've entrusted to you. Look at the people next to you. And as you see in this, Jesus says you're not going for a long time. You've only got so much time on the earth. Don't try to solve all the problems. Do the ones which you can actually make an impact on. And he also says here, your standard, if people are willing to hear your words, stay with them. If not, you're free to shake the sand from your sandals. And we're not going to out-love God. We're not going to out-charity God. <laughs> if God gives us permission to say, if people won't hear you, if they're not willing to be reasonable, invest your time elsewhere that the gospel gives us permission to do that you're not going to out charity god on that yeah and and if i'm not mistaken that's an imperative that's a command that says if they don't receive you shake the you know shake the the sand off your sandals and move on and i think it goes back to that word that pastor amanda had picked up out of second peter was was this hastening this urgency yeah you know don't don't waste your time drive get to the people at hand around you the people of god anyone will hear this good message and receive it go to them but you know e- even as us as as with a wesleyan background you know john wesley was pretty much uh often considered kind of rude because if nobody wanted to receive he didn't the gospel he didn't have time to mess with them he was ready to move on very quickly receive the gospel and the good news and uh we do we have we must realize that the time that we have here on earth is is uh you know really small in the picture of things we must act um haste we must hasten and act yeah yeah, and I think sometimes something that we're, we're kind of saying here and painting the picture might sound a little contradictory. And, and I want to kind of make sure we're holding a, the right things in tension. And, and, but when we're talking about, like we talked about just seconds ago about sacrifice. And something, the, this is Matthew, uh, the uh, lectionary readings this year are, are in gospel readings are in Mark. And Mark is, is known as portraying the suffering servant, uh, the, the costliness of freedom. And... But what Mark is saying, what Matthew is also saying, what we're hearing through Jesus is not sacrifice for the sake of sacrifice. It yes. is just simply saying, yes. when you live a life alternative to the world, yes. sacrifice will be demanded. And the reason I bring that up here is sometimes, especially for those in ministry, I'm specifically speaking as a minister to ministers in this moment, and we, are, we believe in the ministry of all believers, 
Um, and sometimes we're like, well, we just have to work harder. We just have to sacrifice more. We just have to. And then people and like, no, people have free will. Now, you do have to be faithful to the calling given to you. You do have to work hard. But there is a time where Jesus has told us very plainly, yeah. listen, I'm going to call you to hard things and you're going to have to sacrifice a lot. But I'm not calling you to that just because like I'm bored and want to watch you be in misery. Yeah. And there are evil. There are people who have given themselves up to evil so much so that what we can do is say that is evil and then turn around, make sure we can protect the people we can protect and roll on. And that's a harsh thing to say. But we do have to realize it's not that anyone's beyond the grasp of grace. Let's make sure that's very clear. Well, absolutely. God can redeem anyone. We are faithful to the calling and to the talents given to us. And sometimes that means calling evil evil and not living in to that downward spiral that just yeah. wants to consume us. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to build off there because often we wonder, what can I do? Am I skilled enough to do that? Yeah, the preacher is saying, you know, I don't need to, you know, take the, the, the bait and be in the downward spiral. Am I good enough to march the upward path? The answer is actually yes, because it's not our power, but God's power. Amen. You look there in the, in the story of Jonah. Jonah's an awful prophet. I mean, let's be honest here. He's got a bad attitude. He tries to run he away from God. He actively tries to not be a good prophet. Yeah. Like, he's not an accidentally bad prophet. He's purposefully a bad prophet. Continue, sorry. But the ministry is extremely successful yeah. despite his horrible behavior. Jonah acts pretty bad. From the beginning of the book to the last chapter, it's only four chapters, he's pretty bad. bad. Yeah. Like chapter four is basically, Jonah, do you well to be so mad over there? Like, Jonah can't even be the dancing lady. He's, he's just mad. Um, but you know what? When Jonah goes out and he does that work of saying, hey, y'all been sinful in Nineveh, repent. Mm -hmm. Even though he's not the most skilled at doing this, he doesn't even want to do it. The fruits come from God. They work through us. And I'm not saying we need to be like Jonah. Like, nobody here, I'm, I'm not telling us to go run to Tarshish and get eaten by the megasketos or anything like that. But what I am saying is we don't have to just be worried about how skilled I am. Yeah. Of course we want to build up our character. Of course it's good to be excellent in, in all things. The life of holiness calls us to that. But also realize we're not being called to share our own opinions, our own truth, whatever. We are stewards of the gospel, and God's power works through us when we're simply willing to, to do what we're, we're told to do. Yeah, I know Pastor Ray and I had this conversation earlier today when we were talking about planning. We plan thoroughly, but then we leave. We, we also want God to lead because it doesn't matter how hard we work and how hard we plan. If we don't realize and, and are humble enough to realize it is God who is at work in, in any service or any planning that we do, then we're, we're being arrogant. But that doesn't give us a pass on planning as well. We must plan. We must work. But we... But most of all, we must follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Ray, you have something there? Yeah, I I want to say that that um, well, my thoughts trying to roll away on me. Well, that I, I think sometimes. sometimes the individuals are you said spiraling down. Mm -hmm. Well, that's so real, and and it's because I think the the church itself is is sometimes gonna miss we stress bring them in 
we stress build the church. Numbers, money, all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff comes into play. But what ought to be a measure, a church is not measured by the amount of people that come in, but it's measured by how many are willing to go out. Amen. And in order for them to go out, the church and change its thinking. We need to make disciples. He said, go ye therefore and make disciples. I think that if we'll get into the disciple-making mode and send people out that are Marines for Jesus, uh, we could take islands and islands of people and, and bring them into the kingdom. Amen. And, yeah. and, and that's why he said that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Why? Mm -hmm. Because the church is strong. Yeah. The church is dynamic and the church is spiritual. Uh, and, and, and I, I want to shout almost over something like that. Oh, it's yeah. good. Amen. I, I just really believe that we're missing the mark. Yeah. And, and, and we, the emphasis are in the wrong place. Don't worry about whether you got a cathedral with a great big steeple. Worry about whether you got 25 people willing to go out and share their faith yeah. to bring someone else in. Mm -hmm. and, right. and worry about that. Mm -hmm. And yep. I want to build off what you just said by going back to our Matthew 10 passage. Because one of the things that is a trick of, of hell is to get us to dance with the demons. Mm -hmm. And specifically, one of the reasons that we oftentimes do this is because a topic or something comes up in the world. Something becomes popular. There's a social issue or something, and, and the church feels like, well, we've got to step in there and, and stand alongside and, and work out this problem with the world. No, you don't. And what I mean by that is, when Jesus sends out the 12, his message to preach is, the kingdom of heaven has come near. What he says is, you're not going to step into the arena of the devil and defeat them on the topics they want you to talk about. Talk to them about the kingdom of heaven. Affirmatively show them a different world. Amen. Amen. Because you go back to the time Jesus sends them out. I know we, we kind of lump the scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees together. Man, these people hated one another. The only <laughs> thing they agreed about was they hated Jesus, pretty much. Jesus could have sent them out there and said, why don't you go out there and decide whether they like the Sadducees or Pharisees? Go out there and tell them which one to like. Go out there and talk to them about that. Or why don't you go out there and, and talk about eight crazy nights with the Maccabees or how Pontius Pilate is kind of passive when Herod was a really strong leader. They could have talked about Jewish politics and their, their stuff there. And, but the truth is, or they could have talked about some issue between the tribes of Israel, some you know social cultural issue of the time. You know, are the Samaritans um, the problem? Is there something going on between this group and that group? New. No. The kingdom does come to fix that stuff. By the way, it doesn't ignore the political realities. It doesn't turn a blind eye to it and say, "Well, we can't talk about that." No, what it does is it says, "When it's preaching time, when it's time to get up there and and show somebody how to live, here's your message: the kingdom of heaven." That is the vision you cast, and that is what pulls people upwards. Amen. And I think that's the thing. The, the sermon, the kingdom of heaven has come near, is then followed by what does the kingdom of heaven look like? Yeah. The sick are cured. The dead are raised. Yep. Lepers are cleansed. Cast out. Demons are cast out. Yep. The things and, that oppress us. Yep. The things that keep us from being the people God has created us to be are 
are obliterated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This I, is gone. what it means for the kingdom to come near. And now, downriver from that is that the systems of this world have to change. The politics yep. of this world have yep. to change. We're not ignoring the call to be the people of God. We cannot be apolitical. But we understand our politics comes from a kingdom kind of politics. Yes, and you, you nailed something that I, we got to get back to. You said it's down the stream. There is an order. The world wants to bait us into this logic that everything is, is just a yes, no, this or that. No, the correct truth is there's an order. Mm-hmm. And the kingdom of God sits higher than all Amen. the earthly Amen. stuff. And when you get that point right, it's kind of like the Ten Commandments. If you get the no other gods before me right, it's easier to work out your covetousness. Yeah. If you can't get no other gods before me, you're going to be coveting everything under the sun. Like dumb stuff. You'll be coveting like onions or something like that. That's not even worthwhile. <laughs> but, covet, but, yeah. but when you get that order of things right, it's easier to hold stuff together. And, and understand that the Ten Commandments were for the people of God. Okay? Yeah. We still need to, 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 uh, to, to adhere to those. Sure. Yeah. Yes. When we say these things and do these things, then we sing that song that's so true. Onward, Christian soldiers. Yeah. The implication is you're, you're, you're people of victory. Yes. You're people of seeing God do great things. Yeah, man. And and it was a songwriter said great things he has taught, taught us, great, great things, things he has done. Woo. Yeah. Yep. Amen. Where are the great things? Yeah. Where is the victory? Mm. Okay. Share your testimony. Yeah. Have it prepared. Be every, ready. Every Christian ought to be taught in a kind and wonderful way. What God wants you to do is share your testimony. Testify, Start out yes. with just, well, all I know is he saved me. Woo! Glory. Go that's ahead. a lot. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what actually matters. Yes. Um, and, and really, people wonder where freedom comes from. Nowhere in the history of this earth has, has there ever been freedom without caring for every individual soul of every child of God. And that begins with Jesus who sees a man called Matthew when the world only wants to look at tax collectors and sinners. The world insists, oh, but you've got to talk about tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus is like, nope. I see a man called Matthew. Or in Mark's gospel, Levi. Levi. <laughs> but, but I digress. Um, I, I think there, a quote, um, and it says it's from the Talmud. It says, do not be daunted by the enormity of the world's grief. Do justly now. Love mercy now. Walk humbly now. You are not obligated to complete this work, but neither are you free to abandon it. Mm. Oh, my. That's Beautiful. powerful. Beautiful. Here's my closing question for us <laughs> as we wrapped all this up. And I didn't. I had, like, a whole bunch of notes and, like, theses <laughs> on these to talk about. No, we only got to one. It's okay. Is this lady blind or is she glorious? And what I mean by that is... Is she blind to what's going on or is it just glorious when the the whole world is melting like Peter has it to just dance to it? Is she taunting? Is she taunting? Yeah. Uh, Y'all can answer this however you want to. Is it it blind or is it actually glorious? Ray, I'll let you go first since you've already hinted at it. (laughs) I I think she's taunting the, the, the... I feel like she's taunting the church. You know, it's a symbol of, hey... I can do this. What difference does it make? You know, mm. what difference does it make? Yeah, indeed. Uh, who would like to go next? I, I think that it is a blindness 
that has, you know, somewhat brainwashed her. And I may be totally wrong, but the imagery that I'm seeing, yeah, the imagery, right. the right. imagery is That's saying what we mean. all of the chaos going on around me. I I do not I do not even pay attention to it, mm-hmm. and I will not speak against it. And I know that the mask is for the pandemic, but at the same time, it's like. I'm voiceless and I don't care and I'm not paying attention because that's what the evil has said. Right. And I'll just comply. And again, and just, just that's, to, huh? again, I don't know anything about this lady. I yeah. hope the best for her. Yeah. But the image, the imagery, I, is I'm what separating we're the person from the image, the yeah. image, yeah. everything in it. Well, and it's just so powerful. Pastor I Amanda. think that's what this image does show us. It is kind of blindness, but it, it isn't. It isn't even apathy. It is, I think people are just so broken down. Yeah. We think there's no other option but to yeah. keep dancing. Because yeah. we, we don't think, we are confounded by the enormity of the world's grief. So we, yeah. we just say there's nothing I can do. So why not just dance? Yeah. And I think that's where uh, we've kind of picked on a, a little bit, like saying it, it almost seems like it's taunting because if the world is saying there's nothing else you can do, and yet we, the people of God, are supposed to have the power of God to do something, it is a taunt. And 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 I think, yeah, I, I think it is blindness, but it is not, maybe not the kind of blindness, uh, it, it, I don't think it's apathy. And I, I think apathy has kind of become the low-hanging fruit we pick on a lot. I, I think it's honestly just... It, it's helplessness. Yeah, it is the it blindness is. of a helplessness. Yeah, and, and a willing b- blindness, I would say. Yeah. I, I have a question. It leaves me feeling like she, she the, the image, is speaking and saying, what is normal? Yeah. What is normal? Yeah. Is normal putting up with illnesses that are unnecessarily being put up with? Is normal being... Um, well, a lot of the negative things we experience, is that normal? Or is normal having Christ to heal us yeah. when we're sick? Yeah. Is normal having Christ to give us peace when we're worried? Yeah. Is normal having strength to walk through various uh, dangerous situations uh, knowing that there's victory in Jesus? Yeah, uh, I prefer to think that we lost the normal somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, amen. Amen. We lost it somewhere back there. In the garden. In, in the garden. <laughs> that and far back. To, to kind of wrap this up, hmm. my my take on it is, I'm actually going to say it is glorious. Hmm. We, we read through Scripture, and we kind of read through it, and we forget the, the fervent voice that Joshua has there in Joshua 24 saying, Choose you this day, whether mm-hmm. you be the gods of your ancestors on the other side of the river, the gods of the Ammonites in whose land you dwell now. If you consider it evil to worship God, do it. Choose this day. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Mm. We oftentimes lose touch to the soundtrack of Scripture, the show tunes that go along with it. And this image here, it gives you the show tune. Because there is music that goes with this. That is the soundtrack of when the beast shows up in Revelation 13. We, we look at that and we think, oh, yes, the whole world is in awe of it. Yeah, we move along. We like, I get it. It's in my brain. We all, and we have a hard time envisioning what that looks like. Well, we now live in a time where mass media can bring you a vision. <laughs> Here's the soundtrack. Pastor Ray? I just want to put a touch to what you're saying and maybe a, a, a nice 
I think, a, a nice conclusion. Jehoshaphat, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, was surrounded on all sides. And God said, you don't need to fight in this battle. The battle's not yours, but God's. Amen. If only we could grasp that again. Yeah. Amen. The battle's not mine. Win or lose, it's not me. It's God. Yeah. Oh, Our victory is in being obedient. Yes. Adhering to what God is telling yes. us. Yes. And, and that does call us to go out and be active. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap this up. Uh, <laughs> do we remember who prayed at the beginning of this? I did. All right. Pastor. Actually, we'll let Amanda. Can you close us out in prayer? Yes, I can pray again. Never can pray too much. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, again, we call on your great name your power, your reputation, your promise. The promise you have given your people time and time and time again is that you will be faithful. Amen. So help us be faithful. Give us strength. Give us peace. Be with us, we pray. We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Amen.